I almost, uh, I almost that's a long name, man. <laughs> that's a long name. I can't wait to, to this until we get the acronym. I know there's gonna be an acronym come an IBM acronym. That's good. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get it. Um, well, you can just call it Warzy, right? All right. I you like heard the, it here first, folks. That's from Peter. I like the way Peter says it. Say it again. How do you say it? Warzy. Warzy. Woolsey. It's it's it just sounds more refined than if I was to say it just a you know a, a vanilla American wazzy, you know. <laughs> or your boy um, from New England be like wazzy. Yeah, wazzy. <laughs> Peter, thanks for joining us. Um, we're back with another uh, with lockdown edition of Z DevOps Talks uh, with Chris and Chris. We got uh, myself and Chris Sells uh, on the, the line with Peter Peter Halmer. Hey, friends. <laughs> and and uh, Peter's joining us from um, Silicon Valley. I think yeah. I saw yeah, is that out by the SVL lab? I'm in the SVL lab, but of course now I'm from home, but just further up north called Danville. But um, yep. That's where I'm. Okay. We're here with, we're here. Actually, it's actually more appropriately, it's Dr. Peter Halmer, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. It, <laughs> if you yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, but you have a PhD in uh, computer science. That's right. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Um, his thesis was uh, requirements engineering with interrelated conceptual models and real world scenes. Did you know that, Chris? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Peter, you are a um, senior software engineer, uh, DevOps intelligence. Is that correct? Um, DevOps intelligence was the project I worked on before the current one. I, I might have not updated everything you looked oh. at, but um, <laughs> uh, I worked for the um, ADDI product offering before right. I joined um, this team. Now I'm working on something called IBM Warzy, which is um, a new platform for um, providing uh, capabilities in the cloud. So my area is um, editors there, but as, as a team, we work on many more capabilities that got, got recently announced to gotcha. provide the US development in the cloud. Okay. Yeah, we had, um, Chris, remember we had, um, oh my God, we, uh, Gary Mazo with the uh, ADDI. Yeah, yeah the ADDI yeah, he's team. my colleague from SVL. We worked on this together for years on ADDI, particularly the ADI part, my okay. web-based dashboard. Okay. So very we work cool. very closely together. Very cool. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. So we have, um, so we had we had a little we had a little list of uh, some topics that we wanted to cover. I think we um, the, the the top level topics I had uh, Wazi sandbox end to end pipeline and then uh, Wazi workspaces. So I think I, I mean we may have missed some things, but there um, there are some exciting things going on with the um, IB, uh, IBM Wazi for Red Hat code ready workspaces. I think that was one of the the biggest things that we wanted to talk about sure okay. yeah I, I can provide a bit of background how it all evolved perhaps yes so, um, that would be cool okay like started almost two years ago now when i was working actually in adi and um, we're adding we were adding their capability that gary talked about on business rule discovery where you basically try to figure out what are all the business rules in your cobol source code <clears throat> and for that you really need to look at code um, at the time as well and adi was a web-based application and we really needed something like not a full ide but something that allows you to <clears throat> nicely browse and review your source code and um, we explored this a little bit with the idz team <clears throat> which had experimented with that as well and then the idea was quickly born that actually that's a way of the future. That's how people might want to work, um, uh, just working in the browser. So there were some exciting evolving technologies like Eclipse Thea, an open source project that provided an 
the editing experience very similar to Microsoft's VS Code in the browser. And we were really surprised how well that worked and how easy was that also to deploy. As we have customers often struggling with deploying applications that require a lot of prerequisites and installation, co-installation of other tools. And we thought that's a way forward and looked at um, uh, scenarios for how customers could actually develop um, just uh, in a browser in the cloud by looking at other offerings out there already where these have been made available, where people just log on. They have all the tools available in cloud-based containers and can just start editing without any setup and any uh, long configuration scenarios. And so that, that's where we started out with. And we created two um, prototypes that we released to the public. They were called IBM Warzy, and they were really taking the Thayer um, product, uh, ran that in a Docker container and put our stuff in there. So we worked with the IDZ team to create a language server for COBOL that would work in these technologies. And then we gradually added more capabilities, such as another language server for PL1, JCL syntax highlighting, um, DBB integration, so dependency-based build capabilities and integrations, as well as integrations to interact with some ZOS directly. So out of the Docker container, you are able to connect to ZOS using a graphical browser and look at your data sets and files and so on. And then that evolved further, right? So doing this um, again on one developer's desktop, downloading a Docker container, which is just one file you download and firing up and having everything set up and running was, of course, a very um, convenient scenario, but not something you could deploy easily into uh, a large organization. And um, Kubernetes-based technologies were um, basically coming up, and um, OpenShift was one of those. And then we basically moved all this technology into OpenShift um, and Eclipse Shea, which gives you this nice management environment where you can basically define standard set of um, baseline containers. I call them sidecars, which have all the tools needed for a particular language, like all the tools needed for COBOL, or alternatively, all the tools needed for C, and, and perhaps even combinations of those two, and then allow developers just to log on, saying, I like to have a workspace for COBOL, click a button, and off they go and get their workspace set up, right? And that's um, how the WOSI experience will be like. And it will not only just do this on the editing side. With WOSI Sandbox now, we have a virtual kind of emulation of ZOS as well. So that runs on Intel processors. So you have a um, OpenShift container environment somewhere running on Intel. And in that, you can run everything you need for development, your editors, as well as a ZOS emulator called Sandbox, as well as other tools such as dependency-based build and so on that you can use really to round trip your application and test and develop it completely without even ever touching a mainframe. Okay. So that was... We could just end it there. I think we'll cut, we'll cut it there. No, it was great. That was the probably, I would say, one of the more succinct um, succinct kind of uh, explanations of what this thing is that we're talking about. I mean, it's dense. I think a lot of people that maybe aren't familiar with a lot of the terminology, which I don't know, maybe our audience half and half, you know, but mm -hmm. we're all in lockdown now. So everybody's going a little nuts. So <laughs> I want to kind of, I want to kind of back up. You said um, when you, when you were dealing with these browsers, um, 
you know, cause up until now it's been a, a, a clips based, right? The clips based GUI or alternatively the, your, um, ISPF 3270, those are like the two interfaces that, that, you know, you traditionally would use accessing the mainframe and working with the mainframe. I guess we have Zoe now that's a little different, but, um, you were, you said you were surprised by how easy that it worked. Like what, 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 what surprised you about it? Like what was easy, um, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about that. Like what, what, uh, you know, was it, was it like a happy accident that, uh, everything worked according to plan or, you know, what, what kind of work went into that? Oh yeah. I mean, um, if you set up a development environment on your develop, um, development laptop, such as your PC or MacBook, mm -hmm. right? So you always have to install more than just the IDE. You need to have all kinds of drivers and other tools in there. Perhaps you need the right version of Java that runs the whole thing. And so um, it, there's always uh, some burden to the developer. And many development teams have um, very long like uh, wiki pages for the developer setup, right? So telling you to download those 10 things, install these, things, get an account with this system and do this and that. And that, that's the kind of um, user experience that we want to simplify. And so the idea would be to have everything pre-installed, right? So like imagine like you have a Mac that's uh, perfectly configured and ready to do development for my COBOL application. I got everything on it that I need. And I could just make a copy of that Mac and give it to someone else, right? So, and then give that perhaps to do 10 more copies or 100 copies and have all 100 developers on my project have everything pre-installed and everything perfectly configured, right? Except perhaps then for user accounts and personal passwords. Those of course still need to be um, created and entered. but. Other Otherwise, they're just ready to go, right? So that right. was the vision. Okay, that right. would be incre that's incredible. Um, I didn't even think about all the configuration that goes into getting to the point to where you can just even start developing. I mean, you you basically are asking a developer to do a lot of the work, maybe what like a systems programmer would do. Is that correct? To, just well, to get to that yeah, point. More the tools person, right? So uh, on the on the mainframe <clears throat> side, um, for Sandbox, I, actually, you're right. So here you really um, make the life of the system programmer much easier. So basically <laughs> configure one Sandbox template, so to speak, yeah. that then gets replicated as well, right? So, okay. and um, uh, my team is focusing on the editing experience and um, there it's a tool uh, person who deploys this for the organization. And just to give you an example, we feel the pain ourselves right now a little bit with some of the enabling technology that we use for WASI um, workspaces. So um, a key technology enabler is Microsoft's VS Code that we utilize. So uh, Microsoft uh, published their VS Code um, tool a couple of years back with the intention in mind that it's extensible. So they provided this API and the specification for writing extensions for VS Code. And that spec is, uh, became very, very popular. There's actually more than one other company or open source project that implement that spec. So the Eclipse Thea browser-based editor that I mentioned um, has the goal to 100% implement the API of VS Code that any VS Code extension you're writing will also run in Eclipse Thea. That means mm -hmm. it will also run in the browser. Okay. And that's what we're utilizing. We are basically writing VS Code extensions that then run in the browser. 
we, but we also distribute our VS Code extensions in the VS Code marketplace and let people use them directly. And that's where the configuration pane kind of starts already. So um, currently we are providing um, two, which is the Zoe Explorer that we work in open source with um, our partners there, together with the IBM Z Open Editor VS Code extensions. And at the moment there's this um, COBOL training class running is a very popular and quite successful uh, from the um, open mainframe project mm -hmm. and that I'm following along and trying to help out in the Slack channel um, for the students asking questions and perhaps 95% of the questions that we get there are not around the course material but it's all about setup and configuring ah. so our editor for example has been written um, to utilize some uh, code from IDZ in Java. So there's a Java-based language server that runs in the background and VS Code doesn't really deal with Java very well. So we require them to install Java on their development machine together with VS Code to get our stuff running. And a lot of people like just get the wrong version of Java, like um, uh, a 32-bit version of Java instead of a 64-bit version. And um, then we're running into problems and we need to help people to uh, correct that error. Uh, or um, the Zoe Explorer, um, most often the problem there is with um, finding the right um, connectivity configuration options, like they configure the connection without um, allowing self-signed certificates, which this learning environment requires, and people fail with the connectivity. Well, these are all really examples that we like to um, alleviate, work around with the, the WOSI um, vision that this is all pre-configured for the developers, okay. especially for education, right? Imagine you're running such a class with 100 students um, that are worldwide. You want to make it as simple and easy as possible for them to log on and just do the learning instead of spending all their time setting things up. And sure. that would be the vision, right? So that with these WOSI environments, um, they could just log on and don't care about tool setup and just do huh. what they're interested in doing. Okay. You, you talk about VS Code and uh, Eclipse Che, you can repurpose those. Is it is it is it more appropriate to say Eclipse Che or Eclipse Thea? I guess. Oh, they're, they're two separate projects, um, yeah. actually, and they're built on top of each other. So Eclipse Thea right. is a project that really focuses on the editor itself. Mm -hmm. And so the, the vision was um, to have this VS Code-like editor in the browser. Mm -hmm. They can even build it as a so-called electron application. That's the framework that companies like Slack and so use to create rich applications these days that run on any uh, operation system, but they have been fully implemented with um, JavaScript and HTML and so on. And FAIR is such a project. It creates these um, <clears throat> clients either in the browser or uh, Electron that um, gives you this VS Code-like experience, but mm -hmm. um, allows you to also plug in VS Code extension. And that has been picked up by the Shape project. The Shape project originally was using a different editor technology um, to run entirely in the browser, but they add on top this management infrastructure okay. where you can manage dozens or hundreds of people, uh, give them accounts, allow them to um, create a workspace, as I call it, based on a template and have um, this cloud-based infrastructure okay. that makes us all scalable, right? So okay. they are just the editor, Che the infrastructure to run this in the cloud. Okay, okay. And if I remember correctly, I, I was doing some research a few months ago. Uh, the VS Code extensions are written in TypeScript, is that right? Yes, so that's a preferred language, yeah. yep, TypeScript. But you can uh, link in other languages. So yeah. 
one technology we utilize is the language server protocol. Mm -hmm. right? That's another invention uh, originally by Microsoft that uh, really took off and is utilized by many other editor platforms these days as well. The idea is that the language capabilities that you need for an editor, like computing the contents of an outline view or computing what should be shown when in a certain situation you press control space for code completion, all that code has can be extracted into a separate implementation so that can be reused and more than one editor, and that's called a language server. Mm -hmm. So the language server is implemented once, and then you can use it in VS Code, you can use it in Atom, there's even an Emacs um, implementation of that. And um, so you basically write all the language-specific stuff once and reuse it in many different editors. Okay. And we do that too, but our language servers are written in Java because we are uh, really part of the IDZ team, the IBM developer for Z team, okay. and we share on the same code base. So all the cool COBOL editing features you're familiar with from IDZ, you will also see in um, VS Code. But of course, IDZ has many, many other types of tools and integrations that we do not have. Right? So IDZ is really the full blown editor with all the capabilities. And we provide a subset um, in this environment that I mentioned. Okay. You provide the subset because um, is that a result of the two prototypes that you did? You got some, you, you received some feedback from, from people and said that, you know, at the very minimum, this is what we would like to see. Um, is that, are those two things connected, those two activities connected, those prototypes and where we, what, what we have now? Or, I mean, yes. how, how did you, how did you arrive at, this is what we're going to deliver for VS Code? Oh, um, well, so we wanted to focus on core functions first, right? Okay. So I mean, IDZ capabilities have evolved over is it 10 years or longer now, wow. right? So it's a very mature product, has so many cool tools in it. You can't implement all of those all at once. And so, and the idea was really that um, uh, IDZ is the, the commercial offering that we sell, but we want to provide something lightweight for free in technologies that the next generation of developers is already familiar with, right? So we wanted to kill many birds with one stone there, sure. right? provide something next gen, but also give a free um, entry level solution to um, developers. And so that's how we made the decision. Gotcha. So. Um, I wanted to, you mentioned Docker, you mentioned Dockerization, Docker containers, and then uh, Kubernetes and OpenShift. So is it, uh, is it, uh, is it accurate to say that this, this capability has been around? I mean, the, at least in the theory, this has been around for a while, but to deliver it at scale, it's been difficult to prior, like a, in a, in a pre Kubernetes world. Is that the switch that flipped that allowed us to kind of move forward at an accelerated pace? Or yeah, I think there are several factors to okay. that. So Eclipse Shea is certainly from the editor point of view, a key driving project there. And that project matured over the last couple of years immensely. Right? So they have a very high speed of innovation, I have to say. And it's also largely driven. I mean, there are many different um, um, companies involved in Eclipse Shea, but I have to point out that uh, Red Hat uh, really drove this forward with a very particular vision to run all of this in Kubernetes as well as then particularly uh, OpenShift. Um, and so they were really the, also the drivers, if I remember and read this correctly, who drove the VS Code compatibility. Right? Originally, Thea was um, conceived with its own API and its own way of extending. And I think, um, I mean, there were other people involved, um, 
I want to give everyone credit, but <laughs> as I observed it, uh, there were some key Red Hat people contributing really this compatibility layer so that you can just write a VS Code extension and put that in, right? And um, the, But the other key um, change that also made this uh, really more useful for us was um, switching Eclipse Shea from the original editor that was based on um, Google's web toolkit that was not that extensible now to Thayer and that um, compatible VS Code compatible Thayer layer, right? So once they merged all that in, that was really then highly attractive to us. So now we could write code and reuse it in, in both scenarios. So on the one hand, we had customers asking us for VS Code because that's really the most popular edit on the planet right now. People asking us, hey, can I do COBOL editing in VS Code? Can you provide that? We wanted to certify that request, but at the same time, we want to drive that vision forward that at some point you do all that stuff in the cloud and that was enabled for us, right? So that um, the Shape project picked that up and that um, also Red Hat picked everything up. So the downstream version of Eclipse Shea is code ready workspaces okay. on Red Hat and uh, making this all very consumable with OpenShift. So OpenShift really provides another layer of um, consumability and abilities on top of uh, Kubernetes. That's really unprecedented, in my opinion, a really easy way to manage clusters and deploy things like Eclipse Shea and CodeReady. Um, it's much easier and well done with uh, the Red Hat packaging than the native Kubernetes that you would get. Okay, okay, neat. What um, what's the next what's the what's the next iter iteration next? What's the what's the evolution look like for for what you're working on now? What are what do you uh, you know what's the next thing that you want to tackle with the uh, with the the code ready workspaces? Oh yeah, so um, of course I can't talk about everything <laughs> that we're working on. The stuff, yeah, the stuff but, you can talk about. I mean, you could even say yes. vague, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we had an announcement just um, a few days ago, right? So okay. basically, our goal right now is, of course, to ship the first better version of the right. code-ready workspaces development client. So this is really now providing this in uh, OpenShift and code-ready. Um, everything I just described, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, providing the first version and then listening to customers and feedback and refining from there. Gotcha. And the other thing that we're rolling out right now that didn't get a lot of attention yet, but one of the um, most frequently requested features since we're out there in the marketplace was high-level assembler for some reason. Oh, People wow. really wanted an assembler editor as well. And so we've huh. done that now. We created another language server for assembler that will be part of the package, right? So oh, wow. um, in that release, um, that's called IBM Morsi. We will have that assembler editing capability inside um, VS Code, but also inside the um, code-ready workspaces. That's pretty huge. I'm very surprised that people are, I mean, we're, we're talking about next gen developers and maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe it's the veterans that are asking for the high level level uh, assembly, but it could be these next, I mean, do you have an idea of the demographics of the people that are asking for that? That's actually very curious. No, I would like to learn more, but um, yeah. my, my theory is that really people get also th um, start new jobs, right? So uh, again, our target audience is also the next generation of developers yeah. and they might have to maintain some assembler code that they inherited. Mm. And so with our editor, they will be able to navigate that code better. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I think. But um, of course, people also ask about some other languages, for example, Java is... Um, 
been asked very frequently and mm -hmm. here we will not really provide java editing capabilities at the moment ourselves we rather want to observe as there are a lot of um, vs code java um, extensions available there's one for microsoft i think there's another one from red hat uh, for java and the same for c okay. and c plus plus so we tell people use those extensions sure, sure. and then let us know what particular zos specific features you want and okay. we will add those on top right so that's, smart. that's the input that we're looking for so yeah. people trying other languages um let us know right so what zos specific capabilities you want us to add yeah that's really smart um Okay, so like I said, um, I'll, I'll we'll link the we'll link this article. Um, and Naz, um, um, one of our one of our dear leaders wrote this, and uh, it talks about uh, IBM WASI for Red Hat Code Ready workspaces. And there's there's um, uh, five there's uh, five essentials uh, for hybrid Z development through WASI workspaces. And then she goes she goes through it. So it's an easy read. It's like a two two three minute read. Um, but before I go further, I would like to ask. Maybe, maybe Peter, you know, um, if we can break down code ready, what that's all about, if we can break down workspaces, which that's probably pretty self-explanatory and then open shift and, and, you know, our audience may know this more or less to varying degrees, but what, if we break down code ready, you know, what's the, what's that, what's the etymology, <laughs> where did that come from and what does it mean? Yep, I should have done that earlier, right? I was explaining the difference between Eclipse Thea, Thea and um, Shea, right? So basically, um, Thea was the editor that's used in Eclipse Shea that runs in the cloud. And so Code Ready is the next level on top. So basically, it's a downstream version of Eclipse Shea that's uh, Red Hat branded. So mm. Red Hat adds a few more capabilities on top of Shea and packages in a way that it's easy, deployable, and OpenShift. So okay. it's basically, uh, yeah, just like, for example, um, IDZ is based on Eclipse, the Eclipse client. And so it's a very similar comparison. Okay. Perhaps you can make that code ready is a Red Hat branded um, Eclipse Shea. Okay. All right. And then workspaces. Uh, and I think you talked about that, but that's, um, I mean, there's two, there's two kind of variants with this WASI, right? Is that, is that what we're talking about? You've got the sandbox and then you've got the, um, and then you've got the workspaces. Is that correct? Yep. So we, we basically want to, under the brand name of WASI, place all yeah. kinds of cool capabilities. Right? Okay. So editors and Sandbox. So Sandbox was um, emulation of ZOS on Intel hardware. And there will be even more boxes there, um, like for analytics and so on. There's more stuff coming in DevOps. Gotcha. Um, that will also be under WASI. The way I look at it, there's two big deals, really, really compelling um, you know, reasons for why this might be interesting for people, uh, is, um, this, uh, like immediate in orchestration via the browser. That's one. And then the second one is you're not doing this test and development on the mainframe. So in, what does that mean for the customer? It's another way of scaling up development and um, giving people really, as the name implies, sandboxes to yeah. try things out and prototype or even um, screw up, right? So you could um, break stuff. You really have your sandbox in which you can crush things and yeah. uh, do um, things independent of the mainframe, right? That um, you otherwise have to share with um, your colleagues. Yeah. Okay. And you're, you're not incurring any like overhead and you don't have to worry about any anything that goes on the mainframe if you're doing it in this sandbox, this test environment. I think that's a big, big part of it too, right? 
Yeah, the, the isolation is the key thing here, right? So okay. that you can do it independent. Yeah. And so, um, so like mini LPARs, right, at your fingertips. And so um, that's the idea. And okay. if it runs on x86, it's uh, currently just one state, right? So um, if you went to share and so on, you heard progress on porting a lot of the cloud-based technologies, even to the mainframe as well, and running OpenShift on mainframe. And so you can see... Um, that um, there are many ways of doing this in the future. Yeah. Okay, you just now you brought us to the third piece, which is OpenShift. Can you just briefly explain what that means? I know it's a it's a it's a branded variant uh, from Red Hat, but you know, for for our listeners listeners out there, if they you know if they're not familiar with it, what is that? Yeah, it's um, basically Kubernetes on uh, steroids. So it's basically <laughs> taking the Kubernetes concepts and technology and putting another like management layer on top of that. And so um, that's um, realized through more um, advanced and easier to use command lines, but also a great web UI that allows you to really log on and manage everything just through the browser as well. Okay. And so. That, that's um, there's certainly more to it, um, but that's how I see the, sure. the key advantages for what the work we are doing. Now, I am, um, you know, I think maybe a lot of people, even still, when they hear browser, you know, interface with the browser, and they hear mainframe, it it, it probably causes a little bit of uh, people to pause because I, I think of the security implications. So, how do we get around? How are we getting around that? But we're not really inventing anything new, right? So okay. like um, the communication of a browser to any backend is secure because it's, everybody's using it, right? right? HTTPS, and you have to configure your HTTPS server to do this in a secure way. And the interactions um, with the US uh, through the browser are also using all the protocols that are currently in place. So okay. you log on with your TSO user ID and um, all the encryption and so on uh, from our explorers or Zoe CLI commands following the same security principles um, that you would have with any other tool. That's nothing okay. really. That, 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 see, that's a perfect example of something that we're going to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, there, there, there's some validity to that question, Chris. I mean, even when we're, when I'm dealing with folks, um, again, using like the Eclipse-based technologies yeah. um, currently to do development, there's, there's always going to be somebody who's going to ask about security. Every single class I teach, uh, somebody, you know, somewhere, either during class or after class an email is going to ask, you know, well, how secure is this? Does, yeah. does this run SSL? Will this, you know, configure with my particular security setup at our shop? You know, what's the deal? So it's important and, to hear that. Okay. All right. So let me, let me circle back. All the way back around to where when we first started. Manaz's uh, article on LinkedIn, the first thing that she mentions is modern efficient development processes. Um, and then I put, took a little note. She's, she discusses um, you know supporting any flavor of Git and the um, IBM uh, workflow manager. I don't know if I got that acronym right, but uh, so what are your thoughts on that? That's definitely part of our mission, right? So yeah. we want to also integrate with the full DevOps pipeline that we are developing and kind of selling all in parallel, right? So um, Git is definitely a key component of that. So um, these tools that we're using provide really great um, Git integrations, right? So I really, really love the, um, the way you can use Git in VS Code together with the Git Lens extension, for example, and all of those can be used also in the browser, right? So um, I think it's very 
convenient way of working with Git through these um, new modern tools that have been polished for Git, I think, really well because all the developers that work on these tools use Git themselves. And so I don't think you find any better Git support, right? But um, uh, so that, that's just one thing. And then um, based on the Git integration, also the way we integrate with the pipeline. So if you then trigger a... Um, Jenkins build based on a on a merge and push, then um, we will be part of that, right? So currently, Jenkins would be set up independently, but certainly the vision is that you also deploy Jenkins on the build infrastructure all in the cloud on OpenShift. Okay. But um, okay. that's a step we still Very have cool. to go. Very cool. The next thing that was mentioned was choice of IDE. Um, there was mention of VS Code and extensions, um, providing developers access to Eclipse Che, Code Ready, Workspaces, Eclipse Thea. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, we have this notion, uh, this vision called bring your own IDE, right? So that we want to support as well as we can. And so the idea really is that we layer our solution on top of each other. So, uh, for example, we are basing a lot of our um, solutions on Zoe CLI, right? That's one of those solutions components in the Zoe open source project. And CLI is a command line interface that allows you to interact with ZOS just by uh, typing in some commands. So, example, show me all the members of a data set or download particular data set member to my, um, to my Mac or PC, right? So those are the CLI commands that are available. And with those, you can really um, use any IDE that you want, right? You can use VI or Emacs if you want uh, to get to your uh, COBOL applications, program files, um, download them with Zoe CLI, edit them, and then upload them back, right? Integrating then those more into the IDE, like having a graphical tree browser, will be something that um, is often then done with IDE-specific technology. But again, here we want to use some open or popular APIs, such as the VS Code um, technology and the VS Code API that I talked about earlier. So first, we started out creating our own tree browser for Thea, but then we realized, hey, with the compatibility of VS Code, we can really provide a tree browser that runs in many different other places. And so um, if you have an editor that's VS Code compatible, can use VS Code extensions, then you can use our graphical tree browser on top. So these are examples for layering the solution so that we can support as many IDEs that we want. Just to give you one more example, the language server technology that I mentioned earlier as well, is another bring your own IDE um, approach. So you implement the language capability once, and then you can plug it into many other clients. So however, you don't get that plugging right now for free. You still need to write a language of a client or integrate with a language of a client. So we like to know from our customers and users, what other editors do you want to use? Do you want to have an IBM Z open editor running in Atom or I don't know, Emacs. Um, and if we find enough customers asking for it, then we can support that. Right? So oh, very cool. It's, um, it's, a, it's a, a set of ideas to support um, more IDEs more easily and more seamlessly also for the customer. Very neat. We've got a lot of smart people over there, Peter. Um, all right, so I'll take the next one. The third one is the integrated, integrated development tools. Um, and I think you already mentioned this, but um, or the uh, Minaz mentions the uh, uh, fully featured debugger for COBOL and PL, PL1, right? Um, so I, I guess it's worth mentioning. It must be a big deal. So what's the what's the what's the compelling thing about the debugger for COBOL and PL1? 
Oh, it's completing the picture, really, right? Yeah. So if you use some um, IBM Z Open Editor in VS Code to write COBOL programs, then, of course, you want to build them and link them and to run them and then also debug them, right? Sure. So we're just trying to complete the, the picture there. So okay. with the announcement, there will be a debugger available in uh, VS Code. Hmm. Um, and for the cloud-based solution, I think it will be just a bit, a little bit later. Okay, but that's not like some half-baked version. That's like a full-fledged, you know, fully capable debugger, right? Yeah. Oh, you can set okay. breakpoints, inspect variables, so whatever you what, what do you expect from a debugger? Yeah, that's cool. That's huge. Okay, so number four, cloud-based development and testing for Z, which I think we started touching on. Yeah. Sandbox running <laughs> on the Red Hat OpenShift platform. Gotta say it like that, man, with, with bravado. <laughs> OpenShift with, with platform. Gusto. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so... Um... I mean, uh, IDZ has the uh, the test um, generation capability, right? Where you can generate um, unit tests out of your COBOL programs, and so mm -hmm. the idea is that you run those as part of your nightly um, pipeline, right? So. Um, the editors that we're working on will not have that. Um, it's uh, something that you do in IDZ, so that's how all the different solutions integrate. You have somebody working with IDE generating and editing and maintaining those tests, and then you can run them as part of your pipeline. And sorry, what else did you mention? Oh, the OpenShift part, right? I think we talked about that. Yep. So OpenShift is really the container platform in which we then run op um, um, our workspaces. And you mentioned earlier, right, the work workspace is something we need to define. We didn't get to that yet. It's indeed an overloaded term. So our overall product is called IBM Warsi for Red Hat Code-Ready Workspaces, right? Mm -hmm. So workspaces is a product name, but it's also... Uh, a technical concept in the tools themselves. So okay. when you log on to your OpenShift code-ready environment as a developer, why do you get this gallery of um, like, what would you like to do? Do you want to write a program in Java? Do you want to write the program in COBOL? You click on those tiles and then it creates for you a workspace. So that's your oh. private space where you have your tools, oh. your source files that got cloned from Git, your settings, your usernames <laughs> and passwords in wow. that workspace. So that's where the that's word comes from. And it was rolled up by marketing into um, the product name as okay. well. But that's mm. awesome. That is so awesome. This is very similar to uh, Eclipse workspaces, if you will. Similar concept. Yeah, but it's in the cloud, not on your desktop. Yes. Yep. Wow. Got it. Cool. Very cool. Um, my, I'm, I'm, I'm like blown away. Um, just the, that, that explanation alone was, was, was pretty neat. Um, and then, um, the fifth thing that Manaz mentions is support for on-premise, uh, on-prem systems. Uh, so she discusses maintenance for on-prem solutions. Um, I, I think what, I think I, I just jotted down some notes here. This is shorthand, but, um, it uh, reduces the need for for um, well, I'm sorry. It allows you to maintain these on-prem solutions because you can do um, you know you can you can create enhancements uh, to applications in those uh, sandbox environments while avoiding the overhead and then the complications with the configuration and the orchestration and all that. I think that's what she meant, right? Is that is that is that is that true, Peter? Um, but the, right? um, the on-prem comment is also related to um, do customers want to do all this in the cloud? Like, would uh -huh. they want to go to IBM cloud? Uh -huh. 
and do uh, the development there, which is um, secure, but it's in the cloud? Uh, or do they really, really want this um, all locally in-house on their infrastructure and run it on-prem, right? And the idea is really, uh, we like okay. to support both. And so what a customer prefers, we will give them. But um, I personally really would like to talk to some potential customers or users of this um, about like the... Um, the rationale and um, like also how they roll these out on-prem, right? So I really would be personally interested in learning more how customers want to roll this out so we can optimize right. our solution and delivery of our solution for that, right? So right. most people that we talk to run everything in the cloud, but I think our audience um, in the mainframe development space are probably more on-prem centric. And here we really like to talk to people and learn. Okay really how they do this and um, collaborate with them on okay. that solution. Now, for people that want to learn more, Peter, um, I mean, is there uh, anything on Git or, I mean, we have a, uh, a WASI website that we're going to include, but is there anything else that, uh, anywhere else that you suggest people go to learn more about this? Um, there are three places I can recommend. So the first one is um, to um, look at that announcement um, because that links to many, many other sources. Well, that's okay. a really good starting point, okay. good portal to get to lots of good videos from many different people right. um, um, as well. And then uh, we have, of course, our ZOpen Editor um, uh, homepage. So if you just Google IBM ZOpen Editor, you get to okay. our homepage where we have blog posts um, as well, as well as um, you could Google um, mainframe dev that brings you to the mainframe dev uh, okay. blog. Oh, you Google mainframe dev blog, yep. and then you come to the blog post there. And, um, and there's a category, um, a folder uh, called IBM ZOpen Editor, and probably want to add a WASI editor, the very uh, folder there very soon as well but there you can also find our blog posts and um, we have for example a hands-on tutorial there how you can actually try out our current zopen editor that's out there now in the vs code marketplace and run it in eclipse Shea. right so use the entire open source uh, solution that you could just um, get your hands on by logging on to ibm.cloud get a trial account of openshift and then uh, we have a hands-on step-by-step uh, tutorial of how to deploy such a um, workspace um, using our editors in there okay that's huge that's really cool so people can that's, do that yeah, right that's now that's real big nice it's yeah, cool. not the pre-packaged solution that we announced where everything comes with one mouse click, but um, it's um, a, a couple of manual steps to install and distribute um, uh, your containers, but it's, um, it's quite doable. So many people have done that tutorial, so it's a yeah. good way of exploring how this solution will feel like. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, well, uh, Chris, I, I just had one more question, but I didn't know if you had anything. I mean, I, I, this is this has been pretty eye-opening for me. Yeah, no, I I think I'm good, Peter. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, for your time here. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Yeah, so Peter, um, you know whether it applies to you know v veteran developers um, or like your next gen, um, you know you have such a a depth and breadth of experience um, and, and and knowledge. Um, you, do you have any words of wisdom for? Um, you know, our, our d developers and people that are entering into Z, um, you know, any, you know, any sage advice or anything that you could give people, um, or maybe things to look out for, um, or just anything, you know, like, we'll just, Chris and I'll just sit back for the next five minutes and then you can, uh, wax, <laughs> wax poetic and, uh, we'll cut it there. 
Oh dear, I did not think about any wisdom that I could spread here today, but um, I certainly want to encourage people. So um, that New York, uh, sorry, that New Jersey news story that broke like cobalt. three or four weeks ago yeah. about COBOL and that they're really looking for developers. Right? That was kind of huge uh, because we could even see for um, our Zopen editor within a week 1,000 new downloads of our oh. editor. Right? So, and there seemed to be. Um, an interest of people really like um, satisfying that need. It's not yeah. old technology. It's um, like those mainframes are the most modern um, computers you can get, right? Yeah. So it's exciting technology as well. Surely you have to deal with some stuff that's written like many years ago. But um, um, I think um, as a developer, as finishing college or just being in college, I think that's a... a um, a market you want to look out for a job market i mean um, because a they do exciting jobs and we try to give you also the exciting tools to work and play with mm -hmm. the editors that you want and uh, really it's um, uh, an important um, job is uh, mainframes really run the world right so sure. when i did presentation at universities for example asking students um, um, if they realize how much the mainframe is involved in your daily lives like even you use apple pay at starbucks right um, that transaction goes through a mainframe and many people do not know that and they don't realize the <laughs> importance of that technology yep. and that being part of developing code for these technologies can be an exciting job so that's perhaps something we want to spread here yeah that's <laughs> that this good. is something for the next generation as well not a veteran developers only yeah i think that's good that's uh i couldn't have said it better myself truly um chris sales I, i'm i'm happy are you happy i'm the happiest guy you've ever met <laughs> i don't know if i believe you why? I, I don't know. It's, that sounded very disingenuous, and I don't like it, and I'm not going to take it. It's my no. It's my saccharine yeah. sweetness that just exudes <laughs> from every pore of my body. Yeah. It's just it's it's a good day. Yeah, a lot to be grateful for. Very cool. Well, we'll leave we'll leave it here, Peter. Um, thank you again for taking the time. Thanks, Peter. Yep. Thanks for having me on.